welcome to C3 Wellington and Hutt City. Need something fresh, real and powerful in your life? Connect with us on social media, get podcast notifications, updates on events, collective groups and a whole lot more. We're so glad you're joining us for a powerful and thought-provoking message from one of our pastors. We would love to hear how God has touched you in your life. Get in touch through our website, c3churchwellington.nz. So, sit back and enjoy this message. Well, we're in our week three of our In Him series. This series is all about unpacking, unpacking and declaring and receiving the promises of God we have in Him, in Jesus Christ. That's what this message series is all about. I love the verse in 2 Corinthians 1.20. It says this, For all the promises of God find their yes in Him, in Him. There is so much that we have in Jesus. When we come into relationship with Jesus, we're not coming into a moral belief system. We're not coming into a a religious list of do's and don'ts. We're coming into a relationship, but it's beyond a relationship. You see, He puts this very presence within us. The 2 Corinthians 5 says that we become a new creation in Him. The old has passed away, the new has come, and we get a fresh start in Jesus. There's hope in Jesus, there's promises in Jesus, there's purpose in Jesus, there's acceptance in Jesus, identity in Jesus. Come on, there's hope, freedom, faith, so many things, redemption, acceptance, security, boldness already we've talked about in Christ. So we want to tackle some of these amazing in Him promises. And today, look, today could be titled so many things, let's be fair. It could be, uh, it could be entitled uh, Value in Christ, Worth in Christ, Acceptance in Christ. I've chosen to land on identity in Christ. But all of these things uh, together this morning as we unpack this one. Uh, so let's pray. Father God, we thank you that we can find our identity, not in what we do, not in the words that have been spoken over us, not in the sum, sum total of the things we own or the friends that we hang out with, but we can, in you, Jesus, we can find our identity in who you say we are. And so this morning, I pray that you would speak to your people, that the truth of their identity in Christ would be revealed, I pray, in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. All right, 2 Corinthians, I just said, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation, a new creation. Come on, at the heart of what it means to be a Christian is to receive a new identity. We just heard that this morning from Bethany. Jesus said to Peter, his name was Simon Bar-Jonah. That was his name, Simon. And he says, who do you say I am? He says, you're the Christ. And he says, guess what? You're no longer Simon. You've received this revelation and I'm changing something about you. I'm changing your identity. You're no longer Simon. You're now Peter, which means rock. You are now a rock, man. And and there's this new identity. And guess what? Peter became the rock. He became this bold man that led the church. The, the, The word of Jesus over his life, the identity that Jesus gave him was true. And gosh, we sit here today and we celebrate the risen Lord Jesus in New Zealand because of Peter being who God called him to be. And you are called as well at the heart of what it means to be a Christian is to receive a new identity. In Jesus, we do not lose our true selves. Come on, we find our true selves. We become our true selves in Him. And uh, this is so true. And I wish we could just get this into every one of our hearts. We are His workmanship, Ephesians 2.10 says. We are His poetry. We are His masterpiece. Do you know that today? 
not the future version of you. Not the, not the version of you that, that finally gets over that or gets that sorted or no longer struggles with that or, you know, not some future version of you. You. You are the workmanship, the craftsmanship, the poetry, the masterpiece of God created in Christ Jesus, in Him for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So, I've set this up, but can we, just, can we just talk about video games? Is that okay? Can we just talk about video games? I feel like I just want to f- talk about video games now that we've, uh, got, we've got that out of the way. When I was growing up, there was one video game system that, ru- that ruled supreme. One video game system to rule all others. And it was the Nintendo Entertainment System. Oh yes, the angels sing and the light dons down on this amazing console. Oh, it brought us such wonders as Super Mario Brothers, The Legend of Zelda, come on, Mike Tyson's Punch-Out, what a great game. And so many more, over 750 Nintendo games. This thing was every kid's dream. And uh, of course, when I was 12, I was so excited that under the Christmas tree would be the toy that every child wanted, this Nintendo Entertainment System. I saw the big box. I couldn't wait to open the thing. And I opened it up, and I got a Sega Master System, and I was gutted. And I was playing Alex the Kid, and everyone else was playing Super Mario Brothers. I just wanted to be Luigi. But I was Alex the Kid. Pew, pew, pew. But anyway. Come on, but there was no Sonic back then, buddy. There was just Alex. And me and Alex, we were okay. But Nintendo was where it was at. Can I be honest? I don't get games these days. When I was growing up, you could clock a game, right? You could go through the level, beat the boss. Go through the level, beat the boss. If you did that enough, you would you'd clock the game, you'd finish the game, and what do you get for your reward? The credits would roll and you get to see who designed it. I don't know why that's a reward, but that's what happened. And it was such an awesome thing. I'm seeing the credits. Look at the graphic designer. This is awesome. But you could clock a game. What the heck is Minecraft? I don't know if you know this. My kids play Minecraft, honestly. I said, how do you win? <laughs> you don't win. I'm like, what, what, what kind of game don't you win at? What do you do? Oh, you explore stuff and you build. I'm like, mind blowing. And let me tell you something. Back when I was playing video games, the graphics were way better than that Minecraft game. I don't get it. And my kids are into Xbox and Xbox 360 and I try to play these games, but every time he gets, they hand me the controller, I feel like I'm hopping into the cockpit of an airplane. I don't understand what all this does. And don't get me started on Fortnite. I've tried it. I don't know if you know this thing, it's blowing up right now, but you've got to have like 500 limbs to play this game. Build a wall, build a wall, ah, no dead. I'm just cannon fodder. I think I've played like heaps of games. I think I've killed one person with a sniper rifle from a distance, that's it. I'm no good at it, I don't get it. But come on, my kids absolutely love, uh, and, and this is the whole, the whole, you know, the way that games have changed over the years, and, and uh, I guess I'm showing my age, right? But there was one game that Nintendo put out, this one game, and uh, it was called Stadium Events. Now, to be honest, I never heard of Stadium Events when I was, you know, 12 years old and jamming the Nintendo. I never, I never heard of this game. But I, was, I, found out that I found this article about this game, Stadium Events. 
And it was so interesting. And I hope that today is going to speak to you as it spoke to me. But this game came out in September in 1987. Nintendo were trying to be innovative. They were trying to get kids off the couch. And so they created, let me get this right, the Family Fun Fitness Mat. There's an awesome thing. The Family Fun Fitness Mat. Think of like the Wii before the Wii. But it was simply a mat that had some buttons on it. And you would, you know, so it's trying to get you off the couch, right? And so with this family fun fitness mat, they released this game called Stadium Events. Now, Stadium Events had four disciplines or events, four things you could do. You could do the 100 meter dash, the 100 meter hurdles, the triple jump, (laughs) or the long jump. That was it. That was the game. It got rated one and a half stars out of five. Not a great... Not a great re- uh, re- review, one and a half stars. In fact, Nintendo made 10,000 copies of stadium events and they made one run of it and they didn't make a second one. It didn't take off. It got poor reviews. Thankfully, Nintendo didn't quit and they carried on trying to get kids off the couch with things like the Wii and whatnot. And, uh, and you know, kudos to them that, that, you know, hey, come on, sometimes failure is just, it's necessary to go through to success. <laughs> failure, isn't, failure isn't a bad thing, guys. We've got to go through some failures to get to the success. Come on, we've got to fail well. Let's create a culture where we can fail. Yeah? So Nintendo didn't quit, but this one game was a fail. One and a half stars, 10,000 copies, didn't sell well. They didn't make any more. But a funny thing happened. It's kind of folklore. Because you see, this game stadium events all of a sudden became very, very hard to find. And guys like me grew up and we pined for our childhood. But all of a sudden we have residual income. We're now doctors, lawyers, and pastors. That one doesn't have residual income, but the others do. Anyway, residual income. And, uh, and so now they like become collectors because they want to regain their childhood. And so collecting Nintendo games is a real happening thing. And so... These guys are trying to collect all 750 titles because who knows as a collector, it's all about collecting the set, getting every single one of them. That's what it's all about. Can I get an amen on that? Who was a collector growing up? I collected baseball cards. What, what, what did you collect, Ray? Computer games. Computer games, come on. Speaking your language this morning. I was a baseball, I grew up in the States, uh, this, and so baseball cards were a thing for me. I still got boxes of them. Bex goes, let the kids play with your toys. I'm like, they ain't touching my toys. I gave them my micro machines and they destroyed them. They ain't having my Star Wars figurines. And, but precious, but precious. But you know, they became collectors. And now all of a sudden, this game, Stadium Events, went from this one and a half scar game that no one cared about to the most sought after game in the history of video games, there are only 23 copies of stadium events known in the world. Now, we don't know if Nintendo, you know, like it's a conspiracy theory, like are they at Area 51 buried? Who knows where all these copies of, of the, but they, they can't be found. There's 23 copies in circulation known today. And so it's become the most sought after video game of all time. So we're talking about identity this morning. We're talking about worth this morning, value this morning, acceptance this morning. And I've got four points that we can take away from stadium events. You with me? All right. Point number one, popularity doesn't set your value. Rarity does. Popularity does not set value. Let me tell you the most popular game ever created by Nintendo, Super Mario Brothers. You know that you can buy a copy of Super Mario Brothers for $11? 
11 bucks. Guess what you have to pay for stadium events? This one and a half star game. This game that no one cared about, no one wanted, no one thought was worth it. The reviews were stink. Guess what you have to pay for stadium events? Anyone want to take a guess? A grand? Anyone want to go higher than a grand? Ten grand, five grand, ten grand. $35,000 for a video game that was this on a mat. Are you kidding me? Because popularity doesn't set your value. Rarity does. And let me tell you, there's no one like you. No one has been created like you. You are unique down to your fingerprint. Everything about you is unique. You are uniquely wired for a unique mission. You are uniquely wired for a unique mission. You are not a Super Mario Brothers $11 game. You are a $35,000 stadium events game. Do I get an amen? That's what you are. Come on, I, I just have to crush this concept of popularity and fitting in. You know that fitting in is the complete opposite of belonging. Complete opposite. Fitting in is twisting yourself like a human pretzel in order that people would accept you, let them hang out with you. And it's just soul sucking. You're trying to fit the mold that you think they want so that they would accept you. And it sucks the life out of you. Belonging is an entirely different thing. Belonging is coming into the place where you can understand that you are unique, that you are, that you are valuable and worthy and loved, and you can just be you. Dr. Zeus said, there's no one more you than you. We need you to be you. We need you to be how God created you to be. Speaking about creations, and I've said this before in church, but I just love it as a, as a great story around this. When my boys play with Lego, and Lily as well, when they play with my children, play with Lego, and they build something, they're not following the instruction manual, they're just doing free building, building a creation. Come on, this is, the, this is awesome. I love watching our kids just their, their, their uh, imagination let, let rip. Love those Legos, except for when you stand on them. And, and they're building a creation. They call it that. They say, I'm building my creation. And I'll be like, that's an awesome plane. I love that airplane you're building. And they'll, they'll correct me. It's not an airplane. It's a spaceship. And I'm like, okay, it's a spaceship. You know why it's a spaceship? Because they're the creator of it and they know what they're building. They know when he says, Peter, you are the rock. He knows, yes, you are the rock, but you've got to step into that identity. Peter had to make a moment in Acts 2. He had to stand up full of the Holy Spirit and make a stand with boldness and preach. And 3,000 men and women came and the church was birthed on the back of him stepping into the identity that he had in Christ. You have an identity in Christ. You are the spaceship. If, if, if Jesus says it, that's what you are. Your identity is in Him, not in what your family have said to you, your friends have said to you, what those people have said to you, what, what society may say about you. That doesn't form who you are. The creator of all of who you are is who says what you are. When He says you're a spaceship, guess what? You're a spaceship. Come on, belonging starts with self-acceptance. Your level of belonging can never be greater than your level of self-acceptance. Believing that you're enough is what gives you the courage to be authentic, vulnerable, and imperfect. I mean, I had a great chat with Bethany yesterday, and we're just yarning about church, and I just, man, I'm wearing this t-shirt intentionally this morning. We launched in this room here, we did uh, uh, launch team gathering, interest gatherings, get the words out, interest gatherings for our church. Standing right here, actually. And we made these shirts for our launch team. 
because we wanted this message to ring home and ring through the heartbeat of our church, that you don't have to come perfect. There is no such thing. You don't have to try and fit in that you belong. No matter where you are in your stage of life, you belong. No matter what you're struggling with, you belong. Come as you are. It's freeing, isn't it? And it's the truth. It's the truth. We want people to come as they are. And Jesus will go to work with you and he'll, he'll, he'll lift you and encourage you and build you. Peter went on a journey, didn't he? Peter went on a journey of after the revelation, stumbling and falling and denying Jesus and having a bad moment. But, but Jesus restored him and he's continued his journey towards the purpose and the calling he had on his life. Come as you are. When we don't have that, having that place to be, the courage to be authentic, vulnerable and imperfect. When we don't have that, we shapeshift and turn into chameleons. We hustle for the worthiness we already possess. Self-acceptance is based in God's acceptance. You're ex you accept yourself when you realise in the deepest core of who you are, that you are loved and lovable. Loved and lovable. Two concepts that we must understand that they're different from one another. To understand that God loves you is to say that God's got the ability to love you. So it's on God's ability. If he's perfect and he is, and if we believe he's all loving and he is, then we can go, okay, God can love me. I can understand this. God's got the ability to love me. But do you know that you're worthy of that love? That's a completely different concept. That you can look, you can, you know, look me in the eye, look yourself in the eye, look someone in the eye and say, you know what, I'm worthy of the love of God. I'm worthy of the blood poured out for my life. That I'm valuable. Yeah? Different concept. That when Jesus says, I love you the way that my Father has loved me and make yourself at home in my love, he means it. That there's a place that you can find that place of acceptance and love in him. He loves you. Jesus loves you. He loves everything about you. You can quit hiding. I love this. Adam and Eve, in their sin, they hid from God. We don't have to hide from God. We don't have to, we don't have to be ashamed. You see, he's not after our perfection. He's not after us getting it all right. Proverbs said the righteous man falls down seven times and gets back up. It's not about the falling down. We're going to fail forward. We're going to fail forward together as a people and as a church. Galatians 6 says, when your brother stumbles, lift them back up, establish them. When? Come on, we're all going to fall. The call is not to our perfection, but to our devotion to God and to one another. And to allow that space where, come on, you don't have to hide. When you've had a bad day, when you made some bad choices on Saturday night, come to church. Come to, come, to, come to church. This is a place you can come. Oh, heck, you know, I might be tired and I, my, 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 my breath might smell of alcohol. Come to church. Come to church. There's love, there's acceptance, there's Jesus here in this place for you and for me. Point number two. Value is set by those in the know. Value is set by those in the know. Those with the most knowledge have the idea of the greatest sense of value, right? You didn't, you, none of you knew the value of stadium events games because you didn't read the article. <laughs> I read the article and all of a sudden now I've got some knowledge. I've got some understanding. You know who has really a real good sense of knowledge is the person that parted with $35,000. They know what it's worth to them. They, they, they understand. They did, they did the transaction. Those in the know understand the value. Let me tell you a story. There was this, uh, this is what the article was that I read. There was this uh, young married couple and they were struggling. They were doing the two minute noodles 
op shopping. Not that come on, op shopping's awesome. But there are people that choose to op shop and there's people that have to op shop. And you know what I'm saying? And, uh, and so, and, and shout out to our Fill the Pantry and Lauren. And there are people that need our support and our love. And that's a great way to practically love our community. So I want to encourage you to support Fill the Pantry. Awesome. What are we doing? Spag bowl? Spag bowl. Come on, Spag Bowl Sunday. But so this, this couple were doing it tough and she was in an op shop and uh, just checking out the deals as she would do. And she came across this Nintendo game and she saw the name on it, Stadium Events, and it jogged her memory. I'm sure I read an article about this game being like the most sought after game of all time. So, but it was for sale for $8. But that's a lot of money and she wanted to be sure so she left, she went across the road to McDonald's to the, to the free Wi-Fi. Thank you, Jesus, for free Wi-Fi. <laughs> and she got on her phone and she checked. Yeah, sure enough, it's the game. Oh, so you can imagine the energy running through. She goes back, she takes it up all nervously, hopes that the clerk, the guy serving her, doesn't realise what he's got. He doesn't. Sells her this video game for $8. Unbelievable. They go back Shows the husband, can't believe it, lists it on whatever it is, eBay or the Craigslist, whatever they do in America, and sells this game to a collector for $35,000. They were able to put a deposit on a house. Uh, it even says in the article she got some new pots and pans. Woo! Living life, come on. But I'm telling you, and she was able, they were able to pay for the college tuition so that he could, go, he wanted to get into teaching. And so they're able to do that. It's amazing what happens when you're in the know and you understand the value of what you've got. Isn't it incredible? God knows you, values you, loves you, chose you. He put the highest value on you and knows everything about you. Don't allow people who don't know you set your value. Don't allow the, don't allow the, people's opinion, don't allow the opinions of people who don't matter, matter. Take your value from God. He knows you fully. Check this out in Psalm 139. And uh, this is the Passion Translation, which I'm still loving. Uh, it's awesome when you get a new translation and it just adds some colour and diversity to some of your favourites. This is one of my favourites. It says this, I thank you, God, for making me so mysteriously complex. Everything you do is marvellously breathtaking. It simply amazes me to think about it. How thoroughly you know me, Lord. You even formed every bone in my body when you created me in the secret place, carefully, skillfully shaping me from nothing to something. God's the God of taking nothing and turning it into something. You are not a nothing. <laughs> you are a something. Come on, you ain't a nobody. You're a somebody. As we said, you're as workmanship. I love that scripture because it says that you're created for something. You're created with purpose. You're created with good works that God had prepared beforehand. Before you were created, He knit you together in your mum's womb, called out an identity on your life, and set a, 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 a purpose for you, a life-giving purpose that you should walk in Him. You get the choice. Point number three, true value is set by what someone is prepared to pay. True value is set by what someone is prepared to gain, pay. $35,000 for a game that is written off as one and a half stars. Isn't that incredible? 
What is someone prepared to pay for you? I did a stint of four years in real estate, selling real estate. And I'd meet with the, the vendor, the person selling their home, and we would uh, talk about what, you know, the process of selling and all the, but then it gets, you know, you talk around the topic, but eventually it's gonna come down to it. What do you think my house is worth, right? And uh, a lot of people selling their home, they'll get a few agents through, and they'll, they'll list it with the agent that thinks, says the highest number. I think your house is worth 500,000. I think it's worth 550. I think it's worth 600. I think 700. Oh, well, you get to list it. Well, that would be great if he's buying it. <laughs> but here's what I know in the real estate game. It's not about what the agent says your house is worth, unless he's the buyer. It's what the buyer is prepared to pay. It doesn't matter what you think your house is worth. You might think your house is worth a million bucks, but it's worth what someone else is prepared to pay for it. Isn't that the truth? What has someone been prepared to pay for you? God gave us only son. Come on. With no guarantees. And I, I want to say this. There's nothing on this planet that's more valuable than you. There's nothing. There's nothing on this planet that's more valuable than you and, 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 and me. True riches are people. True riches are people. The only thing that lives forever, the only thing that leaves this planet and doesn't fall away and disintegrate and end up on the rubbish heap is people. No Bugatti or Rolex or Mansion or whatever else is, uh, you know, the cool thing to have if you're, uh, you know, even stadium events. Come on. Everything is going to be eaten up and destroyed. But you and I, we live forever. We are the most valuable thing. Jesus says this. So he's, yeah, Jesus says this in John three sixteen. You might know this verse. For this is how much God loved the world. And I think it's okay to insert your name there. This is how much God loved Steve. This is how much God loved Troy. Come on, this is how much God loved Bethany. He gave his one and only unique son as a gift. So everyone who believes in him will never perish but experience everlasting life. Troy, you can come and join me. Everlasting life. The thing about these games, these collectors, right, is that they want it to be pristine, the game. In fact, the value of the game is set by how pristine it is, yeah? If it's still in its cellophane wrapper, you know, hasn't been played, that thing's got more worth to the collector than the one that's a bit tatty and had a really good life. So they'll take this $35,000 game and they'll put it into a glass cabinet and no one's touching it lest it be devalued. <laughs> they pay this money not to play it but to put it in a container. Isn't that crazy? What's our last point? that we can take away from stadium events. Get in the game. Get in the game. We're the body of Christ. Every single person has a unique assignment, has a unique identity that is necessary the advancement of God's church, His kingdom. You are so needed. We don't want people on the shelf. We don't want people 
on the outside. The heart of this church is to come and get in the game. Oh, but don't I have to be fill in the blank? Just get in the game. <laughs> Come on, you were created with purpose. And I think this is the ploy of the enemy is to flip the truth upside down. Jesus' own words says that I come, that the thief comes to kill, to steal and to destroy. But I've come that you might have life and have it in its fullness. I have come that you might have abundant life. That's what Jesus is saying. But all of a sudden it looks like the world wants to pull us to say, hey, no, actually what I have to offer is abundant life. And what Jesus has to offer is a marginalised, stink life. He wants to just reduce your life down to nothing about what you can and can't do and red tape and blah, blah, blah. And He just wants to make your life boring. Can I say that that is an absolute lie? Jesus comes to give you freedom. Freedom from fear. Freedom from anxiety. Freedom from depression. Freedom from the pull of having to fit in. The pull of having to fit in. Jesus comes to give you hope. Hope for your tomorrow. Hope for the purpose that He has. Hope that He has an assignment for you. That your life isn't a mistake. That you're not living this life by chance, but that you are uniquely wired. He, he comes to give you a sense of identity. That He has called you, wrought you, paid the price for you, and set you on a path, a future in Him. That your life can make a difference. That you don't have to be caught up in a self-seeking, self-effacing, self all-about-me life where everything's just about you. It's soul-sucking. You are designed and built to be a blessing to other people. What's on your life, the person beside you needs. I need. And I was asked today, when was it that you came into relationship with Jesus? And I, was, I grew up in a, in a, in, as a pastor's kid and I grew up in, in church. But let me tell you something. At the age of 28 years old, at 3 a.m. in the morning, beside my bed in, a, in, a, in an apartment in San Diego, California, I finally found myself, I quit running. I quit running from God. And I fell to my knees and I just said, I surrender, I quit running. And in that moment, the peace of God flooded my life. In that moment, the love of God flooded my life. In that moment, I felt a sense of call. I, and I just said the words from God, go back to Fittyanga and serve your mum and dad's church. I don't want, before that, I had no interest in living in some small town. No interest. No interest. I, I'd go and visit mum and dad in Fittyanga and I thought, oh, keep me out of this place. Can you believe it? It's such a beautiful place. But I'm like, it's too small. God said, go back and serve your mum and dad in their church. And I, I did that. We ended up living in Fittyanga. I got married, had started a family, 11 years. I would have lived there all my life until God called us to Wellington. But it started on my knees beside my bed and surrendering to God and believing who He says I am in Him. Come on, it's time to flip the script. We hold the hope of the world, church. I absolutely believe that every, everything that every person out there is seeking and hoping and longing for and going after can be found in Jesus Christ. 